Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 12 of the Eavesdrop Podcast. Today, a very, very special friend and guest, my, my boy Richard, the legend, Lewis, from uh, the wonderful world of Counter-Strike and esports in general, obviously. Yeah, been around the block, man. Same as you, you know? Not not as long as you have. How long have you been in the, in the industry? Fuck, I mean, I think I got in for my sins in like 2004, 2005. Okay, so you beat me by like two years. Yeah. That's veteran status, man. Yeah, it ain't too bad. I mean, there's some other old school guys. I mean, hell, like, I, I missed Sir Scoots when he was a player, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and Thorin, obviously, has been around since forever. I heard about esports in 99 for the first time. 1999, I was 19. How, yeah. old, were you in, how old are you now? Oh, uh, yeah, that's about right, 18. Yeah. So we're the same age, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So you, you started in Counter-Strike. Is that, has that been, is that where you started? or? Yeah. Like it's it's probably a well-established story, but I know obviously some of the um, you know Call of Duty guys probably don't know. Basically, I'd, I'd heard about it a little bit when I was at university, but I used to be like a big kind of jock kind of guy, you know. Yeah. I, I used to like rugby, boxing, and right? boxing, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so video games, I only played like football manager or whatever with the lads, you know, two yeah. roll into soccer. Uh, and then um, I wanted to be, uh, so I heard about it, but I just, whatever, you know, I heard about this place called South Korea and this game called Starcraft where people were making money to play video games. I was like, oh, that sounds cool, but yeah. whatever. And then a few years after, you know, when I graduated, I wanted to be a journalist uh, and a writer. And I'd been a games reviewer while I was at college. So I was like, um, you know, I'm going to pitch some articles to magazines. One of the first games I got to review was Counter-Strike Source, which came out in like 2004, 2005. I got a code and, I was, and then I kind of just got sucked in. So it was, it was the first thing that really made me understand like what esports was. And did you, you, were you playing like heavily at the time? Were you like, what, at what level, entry level, where were you? Oh, I mean, I was garbage because, yeah, uh, yeah cause, I mean, I just hadn't been exposed to any of that stuff, you know, and, and um, I learned loads of terms. Like I realized that like sitting in a corner and killing people is called camping. camping yeah. yeah, yeah. And it means you're an asshole. Yes. Uh, yes. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad, right? So I didn't know that. And I used to be like, what's wrong with people? I'm getting kills, you know? And I was be like the last one alive on public servers and stuff. So I learned a lot about, you know, kind of esports culture and gaming culture that yeah. I'd never been exposed to. So it, it was really exciting because it was, it was a whole new world, you know, completely new world. But yeah, I was trash. Yeah, I didn't get good at games until like I want to say 2000. And, well, I mean, I've been good at old school games. You know, like I'd probably be really good at Centipede if you brought it yeah. out again. But yeah, yeah. yeah Atari no. 2600. That's yeah, yeah, exactly, man. I, I, I could I could kick people's ass on that. Maybe a game of Pong. You know. Yeah. Do you think that 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 will ever have a place in esports? What the the old? Yeah. School I mean, stuff? obviously, you have King of Kong and and that yeah, sort of for real. That, you know, with Twin Galaxies and um, I mean, obviously, they're still around, but. You know, they, they did have like the world records and there was competitions. Um, so you think that that ever has a place? I, in it? I, I think we have to look at that's where it starts. You know, I, I've been writing a book uh, about esports 
Uh, I've pitched it to a few publishers. No one's biting right now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they will. I know some people. Uh, well, let's do it. Uh, yeah. Let's make some money. I'll go. I'll go down the middle with you. Let's, no, no, no. Uh, I'll, I'm I'll just going to make the introduction. That's all you. Uh, all right. Good. Okay. Well, you know, I know Optic put a book out, so I know you got those kind of ties. I do. Yeah, New York Times bestseller. So yeah, do, I mean, you, do you got a name for it yet? For uh, the book? Yeah, I do. Um, don't, I'm say, all, don't say. Don't yeah, say. Tell me afterwards. Yeah, I'll tell you after. It's a really good one. You, I, you, I'm going to tell you the best the best name or title for a book mm. and Hasro came up with it. Mm. It's called Frags to Riches. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that a is good a good one. one. I'm trying Mine's to... way better. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll blow your socks off when I tell you. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I think you have to. I think now that we're starting to understand like what esports is and we have a broader context for it, it's got to start with, first of all, the introduction of two-player yep. in any video game. And then second of all, the introduction of things like high scores, the introduction of just any form of competition. And then, yeah, world records too, right? Like, you know, what Twin Galaxies was yeah. kind of curating. Yeah. When I was writing the book, I called that guy Wally Day. Um, <laughs> um, I called him a few times and he was living in, I don't know, like Islamabad or something at the time. I know, he'd, he'd, he'd like took yeah. off from the States, right? And I wanted to do an interview with him for a chap- yeah. chapter in the book. And I got a call at like 4 a.m., you know, wakes the girlfriend up and he's just Richard and it was, it was it was Wally Day, you know. And we had like this very bizarre conversation at like 4 a.m. Um, and I thanked him for his time. And then I got an email from Twin Galaxies and they were like, you know, maybe maybe don't. He doesn't really represent us anymore. Yeah, you yeah. want to talk to these other guys? So it was, yeah. it was like kind of weird. So I just kind of scrapped that chapter and that idea. But, uh, but I, you know, I like the idea of the curation of gaming excellence because, yeah, you know, the guys the guys that beat those high scores, they are esports professionals, yeah. you know. We shouldn't be snooty about it. No. We're all in yeah, together. I we're agreed. All, we're all yeah. hardcore gamers. And speak to yourselves, you PC master race mother mothers. Hey, well, okay, <laughs> all right. No, but I mean, uh, hey, I, like, I, I make jokes about it, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I, no. I'm always down to, I mean, you know, console Halo, right? Yeah. That, that helped yeah. put esports on the map. Absolutely. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Anyway, so that's, uh, you know, thank you for giving me a little quick rundown. Yeah. Uh, I always start out my, my podcast by asking you two things. Sure. It's who are you today? Man, that's a very good question. Um, cause you know, I, I like, obviously I work for ESP gaming, which is like a production company here in Vegas. I keep swearing that I'm going to leave journalism and then I keep getting pulled back in because yeah. there's always some bullshit to write yeah. about. Uh, but I really shouldn't, uh, do it. There's probably way too many ethical concerns now if i'm being honest about it because you know i get i get to be in rooms with people i wouldn't have been in five years ago yeah um but i think listen and don't mean to interrupt but i think that having you as a as a journalist out there puts fear in those who should be afraid you know because in this specific space and in 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 esports as you well know it's full of snake oil salesmen is, is, is full of scam artists yeah. and it's full of, of plagiarizers, people that are, that are swearing to be something that they're not, swearing that they've been in esports for decades when they've really only been playing whatever video game for a long time and has, that has nothing to do with anything. And, and, and people seem to, you know, love to blur the lines between gaming, entertainment and esports. And there's two yeah. separate ones. Yeah, they go hand in hand and they can help each other. Absolutely. But the way that some of these new companies, the way that some of these new businessmen in esports are coming about is just, you know, we need a Richard Lewis to keep that sort of fear in them because you, the first time I met you, 
was very, you know, to be honest, a good experience for me because, you know, I, I watched your show. I watched you and, you know, by, by the numbers, the original yeah, by the numbers. Yeah, I remember you being a fan of that. Yeah, yeah. of course, bro. Stepping into, into Counter-Strike, I do my research, mm. but I don't do my research the way that maybe some other people do it. I go, I go deep into the community to see what's what. And, and your show and your and Thorne's show was, was so brutally honest that that's what everybody needs in this world. People need honesty mm-hmm. more than anything because it's really easy to be kind to people and, yeah. and, and, and say, yeah, you're doing a good job. The tough, the tough people, the tough people, the, the, the people that push the space forward are the ones that are brutally honest and they're telling somebody that they're not doing a good job when they're not doing a good job. And I think that that's what you guys were doing there. And, and, and you specifically with this journalism stuff, like you don't care. You know, it might be a nice person. You may be friends with that person. Yeah. But if, like your your ethics behind that force you to say we know each other you you may give them a heads up that you're publishing the truth or whatever or that you're reporting on on a thing but you do it because that comes first to you and that is like super super respectful well you know respectable yeah it's it's hard i mean it it, you know the the journalism stuff it you know it it makes for a pretty lonely existence like you know I'd, i'd like to be more part of that you know fraternity kind of thing like I see guys you know guys like you you know and you'll be out there and you'll be hanging out with people sometimes it's real hard for me to do it because first of all even if they're you know comfortable sitting next to me in the first place you can tell there's a wariness there that they worry I'm gonna speak out of school which has never been how I got my stories I mean for every for everything I leaked I probably kept 10 secrets Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing of course is that sometimes you gotta kick you gotta kick someone in the ass who um it might be a friend. You know, it's happened several times in yeah. my career where it's like, you know, they, they call you up and they're, they're like, listen, I thought you were my friend. And it's like, yeah, but this is bigger than us. It's bigger than that. This is a business with like young adults coming into the space. And every time you tell a lie or burn a sponsor or break a promise, you're deconstructing the very fabric, the very foundation yeah. of what enables us all to eat, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you messing up, it doesn't... You, you, you know, I can't protect you from that. You've got to feel the consequences yeah. because if you don't, then maybe another 50 people that we don't even know feel the consequences somewhere down the line, like yeah. the butterfly effect. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a tough responsibility because, yes, you know, people do often see you and they'll be like, well, I can't speak freely because, and that's never yeah. been the case. Now, do you think, do you think it's, uh, like, at what point do you decide what to what to publish or what what secrets don't necessarily affect in a positive or negative, you know, place in, in, in esports. And at what point do you say it's like, you know, this is too too big to ignore. We have to, you know, I have to tackle this because it's one, my livelihood, two, the livelihood of esports, as you just said, the butterfly effect and allowing people to to get away with with bullshit essentially to to do that. Um, has there been a time where you have just been like, you know what? I have to tie, I have to cut ties with this friendship, not mm-hmm. by choice, but because of what I have to report is not going to go okay with with like said person. You don't have to name the person, but oh sure, yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I think um, that there is that it has to serve the 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 greater good. Like you know, when I was very entrenched in my journalism, you know, and as I said, I've moved away from it. I'm trying to focus on other things and broaden my horizons and challenge myself a bit more. It's why I took. The TV hosting gig when I was at Turner, and you know, I never worked on television before. You know, did that for two years. Now, yeah. now I'm a director in a production company. I've never done that before, um, so I don't do it as much. But, but um, 
yeah, like I, when, when I was doing it on the regular, when I was a journalist first and foremost, it's about serving the, the fans, you know, the, the, the people and, and the players um, and being a player advocate, you know, the people coming into the space because not, not a lot of people will serve them. Not a lot of people will protect their interests. So that's what I was principally bothered with. So when I look at a story, it's, you know, does this hurt players? Does this hurt the fans? Is this, like, roster leaks are, are kind of like low-hanging fruit. I've yeah. done it. Yeah. You know, I'd like to say I was, like, a, a pioneer in that in, like, League of Legends. Yeah. Uh, because people didn't do it and didn't believe it and didn't like it and said, yeah. oh, the organization should do this. And it's like, yeah. this is what makes, this is what generates interest. Yeah. But it's pathetic, in a, you know, in journalistic terms. Yeah. Um, you get a leak, you check it with two other people, you put it out there, you enjoy the clicks, but it's yeah. not like you're not changing the world by doing that. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to focus more on the stuff like match fixing. Match fixing can ruin the entire business because yeah. if the fans don't believe that what they're seeing is genuine, yeah. Then, then they're going to stop watching. And if they stop watching, we've got nothing. Yeah. So there's that. So stuff like match fixing, stuff like the gambling yeah. uh, skins websites. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah. I want to talk about that uh, yeah. later in the in the podcast because it's you know it's, it's it, it is an important part of Counter Strike that that fascinated me to no end. Mm. Uh, and then going through it, you know, obviously at the time it was it was really really hot. And I was just about to step into into Counter Strike. Mm. Uh, you you know I got on the phone with you and you gave me. To, not to my surprise, but I never expected to meet that sort of, uh, you know, open arm welcome to the to the space from from yeah. everyone, not just you, from everyone, right? Everyone, uh, scoots, you, um, you know, players, other team owners, like they were really welcoming when I said, you know what, it's time for us to step into into uh, into Counter Strike. Um, what what I was what I was gonna go from there is when you when you see these people, do you? How do I explain this? All right, so me coming in, did you do research on on me before you you did that on Optic, before we started stepping and started hearing rumors? Well, I, I suppose you could call it research. I mean, the good thing with Optic and, and Envious and guys like this, when they came in was that your reputations preceded, uh, preceded you. Um, these were exemplary, huge brands. You know, it wasn't even just an esports thing. Like what you guys were building over in Call of Duty mm -hmm. was, you know, something that we we hadn't done in, in Counter-Strike. We'd been very niche and a yeah. bit more, you know, focused. We we didn't sort of, we didn't take advantage of Twitter and we didn't take advantage of YouTube in the same way you guys did. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of areas where the Call of Duty organizations were very ahead of the curve compared to the Counter-Strike. But what we had, in my opinion, was was a, a much more clearly defined infrastructure yes. when it comes to like contracts, transfers, yes. Uh, that kind of thing. You know, I, I covered stories like, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the organization now, but I was like looking at contracts in a, for a Call of Duty team and players were like reaching out to me and going, I've got the contract here and they would send me like a screenshot of a Twitter DM and you're like, that's, that's not, not a, a contract. That, like, I don't know. And they were going, well, that's that's what we all did. We just agreed over Twitter and you're like, yeah. this is no way, you know, incredible to think that there was brands, obviously not Optic and Envious I'm talking about. No, here, yeah, Optic and Envious too. Like oh, we, really? Well, yeah, very early on, we had this sort of like really close team, family sort of sort of vibes where, you know, player contracts were just a, a handshake between me me and the players. Mm. Uh, but yet, you know, what I liked about Counter-Strike is stepping into that and, and being exposed to the contracts and all that. By that time, we were already doing contracts, obviously, with the yeah. Call of Duty team. But in the, in the very early stages, uh, 
It wasn't. It was all handshake, handshake agreements. And it's a lot of trust that goes from one, the team owner and the organization to the player because there is no defined set of, you know, rules that says, you know, you have to be here or you have to do this. And here's what I'm willing to do in, in exchange for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to me, one, uh, going back to your, you know, to, to roster leaks and all that, I, I, I don't. I personally don't like it because I want to be the one that presents the the show. No organization should like it. No yeah. team oh, owner should like you know, it. You know, you know. I talked about. That's how we met. Yeah, that's how we met. I said uh, no roster. I, I said don't listen to anything that's been released. Listen to me. And then you said, well, that's not how it works because you could pretty much be. You know, giving everybody bullshit and lying. You know, you need this this third party verification. But that's how we met. That's yeah. our first interaction. That's crazy. That was our first interaction on Twitter, and then uh, we DM'd each other, and then you know, we 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 sort of like I, I personally, from my side, we hit it off a little bit, and then we just started conversations. Yeah, same goes, man. Um, anyways, a, do you know what's funny about that? All of my best friends in esports and people I have good relationships with, we always started off by dogging each other out yeah. on social media. Yeah, me, Scoot, Starin. Yeah, like. You know, there, there, I read this book when I was at university. Uh, it's called The Poetics of Manhood, if anyone wants to check this out. It's about life in a, a mountain village in Crete, in, mm -hmm. in Greece. And there's this chapter about how the new people who move into the village uh, get to meet the, the locals. Mm -hmm. And it's called Stealing to Make Friends. And what they do is they go down to the new farm mm -hmm. and they steal a sheep, right? And then the, the new guys come and go, hey, like we lost a sheep. Have you seen my sheep? And the guy goes, "Yeah, I stole it. Great to meet you." Yeah, and that's how they connect. And it's it's it, you know it, it, it's a way to it's a way to compel you to talk to them. And it's like I don't know if I'm subconsciously doing that, but yeah. like I you know I will call people out on Twitter, and it's like in my heart I've got like the absolute utmost respect yeah, for them. Like, yeah. But if you're talking shit, you're talking shit. Yeah, and if I disagree, I disagree. Yeah, but then like i'll back channel and be like listen like we can still drink and talk it's yeah. just it's just twitter it's just yeah. fucking around you know? yeah, so, but yeah. some people get really upset about that you know? no of course not and, and and they should so you know us stepping into into counter-strike really opened up the the open up our eyes to the infrastructure that you guys already had from organizations and players and and all that but what opened up my eyes is like that there's a massive opportunity that you guys are not taking advantage of from mm. the beginning sure because you know call of duty has its its set of, of personalities that go you know, beyond just, just casters, but in Counter-Strike specifically, there are like 20 different grade A on-camera talent personality, unlike any other place. And I'm not dogging Call of Duty, uh, everybody that, that's in Call of Duty and, and casters are my friends and, and all that, but nowhere else do you have, I mean, think about it, all the on-fire guys, yeah. right? You and Thorin, uh, I mean, an endless amount of people that are just like top grade A quality casters that can go anywhere. And if they learn the game, they'll be just smashingly mm. better than or just as good as, as somebody else and ultimately steal, steal the show at sometimes. Yeah. And I was mind blown at the fact that all these personalities, including you, well, not, not you, but all these personalities didn't create any formal content, no podcast. You obviously have your show. You had, uh, by the numbers, you, you were, you and Thorin were the only ones that were like really doing that. But you have, you know, Moses. You have, uh, again, all the on fire guys that, that, that are so talented. They're just not creating. I'm not talking shit about them. You, you know, if you guys are watching, thank you. But you guys are missing out. And I've talked to Moses about this and I've talked to, to, uh, to, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anders and, and, 
Yeah, they started. Pick, they started to do that. Like yeah. you're right. I mean, we went back when you guys first came in. Yeah. The, you're right. There was just like a lack of content. Yeah, no, and and, it, and they'll do it, and, and it's to this day, and I'm being very critical here. And to this day, they still do it, but they don't do it on a consistent basis no, that no, would really, no. really propel them to the to the next. And look again, part of that is the grind, I guess. I yeah. Mean, they, you know, and it, it gets difficult. Like Anders used to do this series, and I don't know if he still does it, like theory crafting. Yes. Where he looks at maps and talks about like wall bangs yeah. and smoke trajectories yeah. and stuff yeah. like this. Really cool, especially because it's coming from a non-player, so it shows you know what kind of mind he has for the game. Uh, but you know, like Anders has got a kid now, and he's got a second on yeah. the way. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. Congrats, congrats. Um, yeah, it works. Who knew? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, he's um, you know he, like he couldn't fit it in, and then there was stuff with Semler. I mean, Semler was moving all yes, over the place. Yes. He used to do coffee with Semler, and yeah, the, which, oh, bro, the, the most well dressed person in all of East. Yo, he had he was unreal. Like, bro, yeah. he brought a suit. He would bring a suitcase. Yeah. To to and from the casting desk, so he would walk into into the bar with his long coat, his tie, his suit, and a briefcase. And I'm like, what do you have in that briefcase? And I'm like, like he's like, oh, just the notes from the thing. But he looked like a legitimate. I'm not saying that a businessman looks a certain way, but he looked like a Wall Street businessman. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he he embraced that like right from the start. I remember like when CS started blowing up. And like Semler already had like 50 suits in his yeah. wardrobe. You know, I probably has got like five or six now. You know, yeah. like. Uh, back then, I dressed like a sack of shit tied in the middle. You know, I I, I, I cringe when I look back at some of the fucking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, this looks terrible. Know, yeah. yeah, you look like you're working an office job and you're not even the boss, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, like, I just didn't ever think it was going to get to a stage where it was like, we all need to dress. And I didn't want us to be suit and ties anyway. Yeah. I never wanted esports to be like that. Yeah. But, but Semler brought a level of class and. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 uh, and showmanship and pizzazz or whatever you want to call it, like just right off the start. Yeah. Well, you know, when I when I think about that, I and and it's it's that extra hour a day that you choose to give to to yourself. It's an investment in yourself, in my opinion, mm. to give yourself that extra bump as far as you know you growing a little bit. But and, and I'm not saying and, and again, I'm just this unwanted advice, but. Like these guys are, are are so talented that they're doing themselves a disservice by not giving themselves that extra hour. Yeah. And and I say that selfishly because I, I love to consume content. You know, that's that's my sure. You know, that's that's what I have in the background running. And when I was stepping into into Counter Strike, I needed more. You know, because you only uploaded once a day or twice a day, luckily, and sometimes. And then Thorin, same thing every so often. And then that was it. You know, I would go and find some things here and there, but no current. Analysis of the space, no current, you know, thoughts and and, and everything uh, that that's going on. So, mm. you know, very selfishly, obviously, again, as a consumer of content, I wanted more. And when when a, when a when a person that's not endemic to the space originally wants more, that means that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are endemic and who are part of that community that are just like thirsting and hungry for this content. Mm. So I saw like this this. I saw this sort of like opportunity to, to maybe like offer a little advice to see if they would do it. And I was telling, you know, I'll tell Moses, I'm like, oh, you guys need to do the on fire podcast like every single day or once every day. Like, this, like there's a need for that. Do you, and I understand the grind. Please believe me. I do. Do you think that, what, what, do, you, what do you think it is? Do you think it's, 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 it's just like, I think, uh, the events and the traveling and, and, and the kind of days we were working back then. Mm -hmm. And again, I mean, like, listen, it's easy for me, and I, I, like I don't know how you do it. It's it's easy for me because I don't have a family, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mean, I've sacrificed that so I can stay. Yeah, you know, doing what I do uh, on on the regular. There ain't no, 
ain't even no girlfriend in the scene now, you know? So it's just like, boom, I'm, I'm just all about the work. But uh, those guys, I mean, like, you know, so you fly out on a Thursday, you do a rehearsal, you yep. sleep at the hotel, you're trying to adjust off the jet lag. Typically, your first day is a Friday, or maybe that might be the full tech rehearsal yep. with, with the audio crew or whatever. And then you do events Saturday, Sunday, you fly back Monday, you only really get Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you're off to do it again. Yeah. So I think to a lot of those guys, it's like, you know, you got to go take the girl out, you got to go take yeah. the guy out, maybe, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you got you to gotta spend some time with your partner. You got to spend some time with your kids, check in with your moms, your pops. You got to do all of that stuff. And then it's like, what? On top of that, I got to go and do a podcast. Like sometimes it's just a straw that breaks the camel's yeah. back. So I'd be sympathetic with those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But equally, what you're saying is true. I mean, you know, I I've said this. The guys know I feel this way. I think Room on Fire is one of the biggest sort of wasted opportunities in, in esports holistically because the talent they had on the books oh, man. compared to what they put out. Yeah. You know, that, that could have been like the CS equivalent of Optic or whatever, you know. Uh, Did make some good documentaries, but yeah. it's like you say, where's my daily fixer on fire? You've yeah. got all these geniuses yeah. in one room. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, again, from a very selfish place in, in need of content to consume, I do think that there, that there is a waste of opportunity there. Mm. They're just so good. And, I, and, and again, that's what like sort of made me fall in love with, with Counter-Strike. Like, Search and Destroy, to me, it's like the best game we've ever created, yeah. right? Yeah, that's absolutely. what Counter-Strike is. Yeah. Um, and unlike any other eSport that, that we're involved in, I really gravitated towards it, which is, you know, very, very, this is, a, this is something I did very badly because mm. I got so vested in the the players in Counter-Strike because I like Counter-Strike so much that I sort of like let other you know, esports sort of take second to, you know, Call of Duty and, and, yeah, yeah. and, and Counter-Strike. Um, but the heart wants what the heart wants, you know, the, the mind likes what the mind likes oh. and there's, there's nothing you can do there. And, and I don't know, like I, I had one of the, one of the, one of my best years in my career since I started doing this was, was getting the, the, the team that we did, you know, um, obviously we originally were talking to, uh, who are the who are the guys? Do you remember that? Um, oh, so what, back when you picked yeah. the original NA yeah, yeah. guys, yeah. So that's like uh, what the team with uh, Shazam and no, the, yeah, that was the original one. But yeah. we were talking about the European some some European talent that had um, oh my god, how can I forget this? They were winning everything at the time, and they were in TSM, I think. They were oh TSM? yeah, you're talking about the Danes. That they're Australis yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, they're Australis now. Yes, yeah, I, the I core think, of that team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the core of that team, and I remember you talking. Yeah, they, God, yeah, you were talking to them. Yeah. No, I was talking to them. I was talking to, to. Uh, did the Swedes come up as well? I want to say no, did some Swedish guys come no, up. No, it was it was the Brazilians. Oh my God, this is years ago. It was the Brazilians. Yeah. At the time, Luminosity. They were Luminosity at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was talking to them, and I decided, you know, it, it was it was an easy. I think at the time it was like twenty five hundred bucks per player, so it was nothing. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, like we can afford yeah, this. Yeah, you told me this actually last time we were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. you could have had him for that. Yeah, crazy, but, right? but I didn't want to do it because they were still in the contract with Luminosity. And they didn't want to come in poaching because I didn't want to be that sort of organization that comes in and is predatory. Yeah, you know, towards, I get it. towards that. But then two weeks fucking later, they got poached anyhow. They got poached anyhow <laughs> by SK. Yeah. You know, and and I'm like, I'm like, oh man, that could have been nice. It would have been such a school time. But yeah. because of all of that that happened, I ended up picking up this like. And it was, oh, what was it? I remember, oh, they had their little knight's helmets as their uh, logo. Um, I couldn't remember. God damn it. I can't remember anyway. But yeah, they did, they had a decent run at SIBO just before you picked yeah. them up. But I remember watching like by, by the numbers and thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, waiting for, waiting to listen. It's like, 
and, and you guys said, yeah, it's a, it's a good team. Or this team, you said, I don't know why this team hasn't hasn't been picked up, mm. but if Optic is out there looking, like this is the perfect opportunity to do that. And by that time, we had already decided we would do that. So getting that sort of mm. reinforcement from from you and 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 throwing us as a as, as experts in the field, like really gave me confidence to be like, all right, cool, we can build something like that. And then immediately after that, I developed this relationship with the players, Shazam specifically, um, that that made me just more be more vested in the in the, its success. So I tried everything in my power to to make it happen. We made a change, you know. Here and there, ended up with a with a team well, that, when Mixwell came in yeah, as well, yeah. right? And that was like scouted out by Daps. By I Daps, say. Yeah, yeah, by Daps and H uh, HLTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like incredible. So one of my favorite stories in that is the fact that we had a makeshift team that ended up, you know, winning E League season two, and <laughs> and to me it was like one of the again one of my favorite favorite times in in all of my esports career. Sort of helping develop the team and and trying to work around that sort of culture because it was so immensely different than it was from from uh, from Call of Duty and everything that we would been in the in the past because it came from a culture in my opinion that you know it's like you're a player this is your job you're gonna compete mm. where I come from a culture where like yeah you're a player but you gotta do all these exercises to really take advantage of the other situation yeah I mean you're right there one of the things that we always kind of did in, in Counter Strike I mean again things like fan signings and you know, interaction, uh, you know, all these activations, like whatever you want to call yeah. it. Uh, we weren't really doing that. It's like you say, players played. I mean, like players don't even stream. They don't even stream now, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, every time Simple turns on his stream, everyone gravitates yeah. towards it. But, you know, other than that, it's it's kind of barren, you know, because everyone's practicing and yeah. wanting to be the best. You know, we got a very packed calendar. Yeah. Do you think that that's a, that's a strength of Counter-Strike or, or a weakness? Because... You know, as you were as you were telling me, the the, the burnout of mm. of every week there's a tournament. Yeah. So that means that the the, the very talented on air talent that you have doesn't get to create these these extracurricular content activities mm. because of the the strenuous work that they they get put through. Mm. You know, because do you think that's that's do you see a self correction of of the scene in Counter Strike? It, it's got to happen eventually. Well, I mean, I say that. You know, it didn't happen to StarCraft, and look what happened there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, WCS came in way too late, couldn't save that game. Region locking couldn't save it. You know, now you've pretty much got BlizzCon where there's a spike. I feel sorry for all the, um, you know, excellent players that we've still got in that game right now. Guys like Serral, you know, shout out to him. He single-handedly ended South Korean dominance. Didn't even get nominated for the Game Awards as best player, of course. I mean, yeah. you know. I'd, Popularity votes. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's all, That's why we're no longer nominated. Yeah, it's bullshit, right? Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, look, I, I think what we need is a world where everybody can play nice and stop trying to have the biggest slice of the pie because eventually there's going to be no pie and then yeah. no one gets a slice. Yeah. You know, we need, for me, I'd like to see a, a regular season like what you have in Dota where it's, you know, you have all these official Valve events punctuated across and then you have the minus punctuated across mm-hmm. also in, with Valve and a partner. And then you have like an ESL tournament and a face it tournament and an ESEA and you just and, and we start filtering out these online leagues yeah. that we got, you know. Because I wanna get hyped when yes. Team Liquid play Astralis. Yes. I've seen that five, five times. times last week. Yeah, yeah. I know you, what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, I'm I'm sorry, like I might even give this one a miss. And it's that Again, it comes back down to the fans. Like these moments need to be special. Whatever you want to say about League of Legends, and I've been a big one of the biggest critics of Riot out there, and I, and I stand by every criticism I've ever aimed at them. One of the things that they did well 
was by keeping the regions disparate and separate and never the twain shall meet until worlds, you inadvertently generate that hype. You have like the two international events a year where Koreans can play Europeans and Americans and the Chinese and everyone is like dialed in. Yeah. You know, you have to see this because yeah. it's it's two meta games clashing. It's not just two teams. What we've got at the moment in Counter-Strike is the top teams play the top teams every week online, you know, on the same maps yeah. even. And it's just like there is a little bit of viewership fatigue and we need to be wary of that. The problem you've got is you've got to rely on the tournament organizers. That They're in a game of chicken right now. Yeah. Uh, who's going to break the scene first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah They're yeah, just yeah. fronting up to each other. And, yep. You know, ESL is considered, and, and, and the MTG conglomerate is considered the axis of evil. Yep. Everyone else is the allies, and they're trying to bring them down. It's like, guys, this is like, all it's going to do is kill the game. I'm yep. telling you. And we've just gone free to play, so yes. get your shit together. Yes. Yeah, how, how big... Uh how big of an impact would it be if, I mean, think about I think about it all the time, specifically for Counter-Strike. I wanted to see a storyline. What is that? Has that been going on the whole time? All right, sorry. It's oh, yeah, I, 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 I can hear it too. Yeah, it's, coming, oh, it's coming in my good ear. Okay, the good <laughs> So I, I want to see these, like, story. I think there is, like, viewership fatigue. Yeah. I, I, 100%. It's going to be player fatigue very soon here that's going to affect it. I think that... Yeah, I think that that's like a weakness, in my opinion, in Counter Strike, and and you know, allowing these tournament organizers to play a game of chicken with something that's so good, mm. you know what I'm saying? Because it is like it's it's the it's the Call of Duty players. My players have been boisterous about this. Counter Strike is the best spectator esport. No doubt, no, no doubt about it. No if doubt. you if you say otherwise you really have to give it a shot go to an event go live go spectate it you even have guys like h3h3 right who's got nothing to do with video games at all and even he's saying like you know i'll watch a counter-strike game now and then you know this is a big youtuber with like 4.2 million views and again like it just is it is just the go-to game i I, when i was at e-league i used to talk to dads who've been dragged along Mm -hmm. you know to the games by their kids and they wanted to be good parents and find out what the kids are into yeah and by the end they're all like loving it and cheering and going oh could can you believe the headshot that he was like yeah you know it it clicks it it takes like four hours you want to know what the secret is to that that i wholeheartedly believe what's the sniper rifle the op Oh sure, yeah, yeah. It is. It is the only weapon across all of esports, obviously, that that have that weapon that can really create that sort of hype moment because you get one shot, one opportunity to not get spaghetti in. Oh your, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, spaghetti or yeah, whatever. Exactly, it's the classic glass cannon, right? Like you get if you miss, typically you're gonna get you know gunned down, right? But yeah. if you if you hit, if you hit, yeah, it's, it like, it's crazy. Great. So yeah, I think I think that's one of the one of the major things that that. You know, Counter Strike has really, really missed on allowing all these tournament organizers to have weekly series, and then, you know, really not have that sort of storyline that you want. You know, because you already know what it is. It's like it's you already know what the storyline is going to be next week as well. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, at this point right now, we're all waiting to see when the next time Astralis is going to go down. Well, get, getting back to you know what we were talking about before, that's one of the reasons why we were so keen to have you guys come in because. You know, well, I'm mean, speaking for myself. I don't, I, you know, I can't speak for the whole community or whatever. Yeah. Speaking for myself and the talent guys and the industry guys I was talking with, because we knew that you guys were going to come and bring the Call of Duty ideas and um, apply them to our incredible teams. Yeah. You know, like I remember Hastro when he first came in, and like you know, we've talked about this. Mike broke my heart. You know, yeah. um, and we don't talk no more. But um, 
you know, when he first came in, like he came to, uh, I want to say it was a Gfinity event, first one they did over at the Copper Box in London. And he was telling me, you know, I want to, I want to connect with one of the top teams. I want to get your thoughts. And, um, you know, he was looking at the Polish guys originally, the old Virtus Pro yeah, guys. Yeah. And we went and had a meeting and a few drinks and I set them up. And, you know, Taz is a character. He was like talking them out, going, you definitely don't want to get us. Like, we're a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you don't want to do content around us. We yeah. argue all the time, yeah. you know. And then uh, and then his other choice was the uh, French guys, yeah. which is the team he got. You know, and the rest is history. They end up going and winning a major yeah. at Cluj. So... I mean, but but along the way, the documentaries, the content, the level of access, the yeah. the Twitter support. I mean, if you compare like what Optic and Envious did for their CS teams in terms of exposure yeah. and bringing fans across to our game, yeah. compared to what TSM did, yeah. where TSM didn't even tweet when, yeah. like, in no disrespect to Reggie, me and Reggie are cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Drinks, Love Reggie. Yeah. But like, but I'll I'll tell Reggie again because you got to be straight about it. Yeah. You had the best count. What could have been the best Counter Strike team in the world yeah. is the best team in the world right now, right now. and yeah. you mismanaged them. Yeah. And you wouldn't even tweet about them when you were at tournaments. Yeah. And that was just an oversight on his part, you know. Yeah. I mean, he was a young, he was yeah, a no younger one, guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, no, no one knows. And and for me, that was one of the things that that I was very, very. I wanted the house, their house, to be near the Call of Duty house mm. or the content creator house because I knew that if I was able I to. Ambitious, I'm making that guest yeah. appearance. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was all like for me, everything's about content and the storyline that we that we generate for for the for the spectator. Because as a spectator, I I'm a I'm a very good spectator. Mm. I. Very, very seldom do I hate a movie so much so that I can, you know, tweet about it and say that was the worst fucking movie I've ever seen. I'm entertained very, very easily by shit that I shouldn't be, you know, that. So yeah, yeah. from that mindset, I'm like, all right, what do I need to do in order for, you know, people to be interested in, in, in that and in, in Counter-Strike? And I'm like, all right, well, it's simple. They, you know, people don't necessarily, aren't necessarily interested in the eSport as much as they are in the personality. Mm. That's what made us transcend what, what we are. And I won't go into it because I always go into it, but you know, having the ability to bring Rush and Mixwell to play big ball soccer, which is where it's like a foosball, but human-sized foosball where yeah, you're, the, yeah, yeah. you're the player. That and having them speak and have Seth or Scumpy's fans or, or Maniac's fans like listen to somebody else speak and be made be, be entertained by them that gave that sort of bridge to the to the to the equation but cs fans like cs players rather we we weren't used to that i mean it used to be a running joke like even you know i was going to events in 2012 we weren't signing mouse mats then mm -hmm. we weren't yeah. you know no one was lining up in yeah. the, you know sure in, in like the 1.6 events even even then the very big, like Intel Extreme Masters, you might see a few people sign autographs, like five, six mm -hmm. hardcore fans would like, you know, bring some gear to sign. It wasn't people lining up around the block to yeah. get signatures. And again, it was that culture. I mean, Call of Duty already had that, yeah. man. It had this mass connection with the yeah. fans. Um, it's YouTube, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it was it was a, it was a huge cultural change that started coming in in Count Strike. Now. Every esports player I talk to in every other game looks at Counter Strike and goes, "You guys are the rock stars. You get to say what you want, do what you want. You play like the most easily accessible game. Yeah. There's fans, groupies. Like yeah. It, it, yeah. it's it's a wild time. There's a lot of envy for the Counter Strike guys, but it weren't always like that because we just didn't do things that way. It was a very solemn. Yeah, I play the game. I want to be the best at the game. Yeah, all work." A little bit of play when you get knocked out of tournament, but yeah. very few fan interactions. Yeah, one of the other things that that I that I think Valve or the whole Counter Strike as a whole missed out on was the was the skin betting. 
Mm. You know, had they had they seen the future and were able to regulate it very early on and made rules and verification processes that that allowed for adults like us, uh, maybe not me because I own a team, it would be unethical for me to bet. Sure, yeah, I could be saying but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. to all the spectators that are, you know, 18 and older. CSGO Lounge, as it existed back then mm-hmm. in 2014, as soon as Valve saw that technology, mm-hmm. they either should have copied it and shut them down yep. or bought it and implemented it into the client. Yep. And then, and, and then made it so skins were not being traded off-site or yep. anything like that or cashed out kept it hermetically sealed, yeah. and they should have put some age checking. You know, because keep in mind, when you register your account, it's registered with the you know, age, yeah. and as soon as they implemented that, you should have to put some ID on there. This wouldn't have been hard for a company no. like Valve to do. And then we, we hermetically seal all the skins gambling problem. We stop predatory people coming in, creating these casinos using outside tech yeah. that Valve had to shut down like two, three years after the horse had bolted, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people got burned with that. I mean, you know, again, one of the reasons why it's been hard for me to like reconcile with Hastro is like his involvement with T Martin. I know you know T Martin. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of Call of Duty guys know T Martin. T Martin might be a swell guy, but to me, he's yes. always going to be a piece of shit <laughs> because of what he did. He lied to his fans. He 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 connived and and, and colluded to. Uh, basically deceive his very young audience so he can make a profit, which isn't even the worst thing that happened in skin spending. A lot of people say, oh, yeah. he, he rigged the outcomes. I'm like, no, that was other people. There was plenty of that going on. Yeah. And but it wasn't just like it wasn't just Call of Duty people. No, I you mean, know, because it, 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 there did, was, it uh, did make me a little bit cynical about some of the guys' yeah. their motives, though, because yeah. you know, and I've talked again, I've talked to a lot of guys about this. There is no worse look. I mean, like, you know, I grew up in the northeast of England where we had all the Vikings come over and burn all the churches and, you know, set up shop in, in our cities. So I understand what pillaging marauders look like. And that's what it looked like when the Call of Duty guys come in. Some of them, not all of them, not yeah. you guys, you know, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, you and Mike are true blue. You came in and you wanted to build teams and give something back. Yeah. Mad respect. But there was a lot of people who got involved and it was like, yeah, Counter-Strike's brilliant, isn't it? Skins gambling's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, I happen to run a casino. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and then they started luring the players in to like, because there was no rules or guidelines yeah. about this, to like advertise, which also happened in Envious. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is, guys, I'm telling you, this is really bad. At first, I didn't mind it. It, it was Scoots who put me on how dangerous this could be. Because he's an old school guy who who's seen gambling blow up and saw the corruption around collegiate sports in America and everything. He knew more than I did about it. And when I started researching and lifting and turning over the stones like I do, I was like, oh my God, this business is dirty. Like yeah. there's so well, many how liars. Much, how much did it get that. up to? Do you remember the, the, the betting skins <laughs> industry? Put, put it this way. When I broke the Phantom Lord story, Six months of Skype chat logs, they were talking about $3.5 million of revenue. Yeah. So that's one Skins Casino yeah. run by one streamer yeah. in six months. Yeah. God only knows. I mean, yeah. um, in, in, it was a black market economy. And and yeah, I, I dread to think how many you know undisclosed millions were kind of yeah. got out there through this exploitative uh, purposes. And, and this is what I mean. It's like... I know not all the Call of Duty guys were bad, but there were a lot of Call of Duty guys who, to me, they didn't give anything back to Counter-Strike, but they used our scene to get rich. And it's like, listen, make a video at least, like come to a game at least, like fake it, you know? Don't make it so brazen 
that you're just using our game as literally a, a, a cryptocurrency. Yeah, an opportunity. To line your own pockets, you know? So it, it was hard for me. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, I talked to Syndicate. We nearly did an interview on, like, two occasions. Mm-hmm. I, I think... I think a lot of misinformation about them yeah. uh, is out there. And, you know, if T. Martin hadn't have done that stupid apology video with the dog and then got out there and promoted what was effectively a pyramid scheme in the form of Firefan or whatever it was called, uh, I would have been a lot more forgiven. Like, I sympathize a little bit with Syndicate because people message him every day saying, you know, you piece of shit, you rigged the casino. And it's yeah. like, that didn't happen. I know, you know? yeah. I, you know, I play, I play Minecraft with him right now. Is what, it's one of my favorite people on earth. Um, and still in our comments, in the Minecraft yeah. comments, it's so yeah. like he did that. And I'm like, you got to, I mean, don't get me wrong. You got, you got to, you lied to people. You got to carry the can for it. You know, lying the way you did, it's unforgivable. But what, what I'm sympathetic to is, is just the misinformation. They didn't do some of the things they're accused of. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that sucks. But yeah, I mean, like that, that entire industry, what was going on at that time, that's as wild west as it's been in, in esports yeah. for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, that was yep. some unbelievable cowboy shit. Yeah. And I got mad respect for all the people that chose to leave the money on the table. Because I'm sure we Optic could have had one. Yeah, we were thinking about doing, me and Big Timer, uh, me, Big Timer, and somebody else were talking about doing Optic skins. But at that point, we would be, you know, saying, okay, well, we would more than likely have to step away from yeah. from Counter Strike. And I don't know if that's a if if that's even something that we should do. Uh, we, we thought about naming it something, but it was an opportunity. And, and, and in, a, in a space like this, where it's so young and you try to get and do as much as you can to be able to make a, a, a not, not just a living off of it, because, you know, you can make YouTube videos every single day, make a decent living off of that. But, you know, just like anything else, you see an opportunity, you can see something bigger and then you just try to go after it. So I can see like that, the snowball effect, just saying, it's like, oh my God, from here to that. I mean, even with, uh, uh, what was it? Minecraft, the Minecraft servers, those yeah. were um, money printing, like it was incredible. Um, you know, in, in-game items and being able to, to purchase stuff like that just, just drove it. But I do see, you know, that as, as, as a missed opportunity. Uh, well, in- me and banks, right? So like, you know what? I, I talked to Banks around about all the time the CSGO Wild stuff was, yeah. was going on. Yeah. And me and Banks, we had a, we had a falling out about that. I, I, I said some unbelievably harsh stuff like I, to him at a time in his life when, you know, he already had his, enough on his plate. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll see this or whatever, but we haven't talked since. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I regret that because me and him used to talk on the regular. Um, whenever he wanted to know anything about CS, he'd hit me up. Yeah. And, you know, I immediately got on with a guy, but then when that kind of CSGO wild stuff was jumping off and it was all these phase yeah. supposed connections and I yeah. was investigating that, you know, I said some, I said some stuff to him, which was, I have a tendency to go off on the deep end when yeah. I think he, you know, my beloved esports is threatened. Yeah. 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 So I, I regret that. And it came at a time in his life when, um, you know, he, he was vulnerable and down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel bad about that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ricky, good, super, super, super good dude. Again, it's, it's this, no, I'm not making excuses for anyone in this in, in, in any sort of way, you know, but being 38 years old and seeing young kids get money so quickly, getting fame so mm. quickly, you know, it's going to cloud your judgment oh, sure. at, at some point. Sure. And, and, and a shiny piece of something is going to look so appealing that you're just going to be like, all right, how do I do this the best way possible to where I can, you know, take advantage of the situation without taking advantage of, of, of other people? Well, ultimately, so, what, they, what they end up doing is, and they don't realize it, you, you, you play, you know, I don't want to sound like DJ Khaled. I know what I look like. Yeah. Uh, you played yourself. Yeah, but yeah you, play, you play yourself, right? I mean, 
uh, again, I, I don't know if it's even safe to, to to mention the guy's name without like lawyers coming after me or whatever. But you know, the the Phantom Lord story for me was like just an especially a sad one because I saw a guy that was an amazing streamer, mm -hmm. super cool guy, a real good entertainer, and it's like to me again. Oh, we would only have very limited occasional conversations. But I was there when he got doxxed and like swatted uh, by that hacking group. Like, I think it was like, I want to say Lizard Squad or whatever mm -hmm. did it to him. And he had the SWAT team sent yeah. to his house. We talked about that the next day. And he was like, you know, I've never had a gun pointed at me and stuff. And it was like, that was when he hit like the single highest views on Twitch. And it was like, this guy was like an entertainer, you know? Yeah. Like, people forget how good like a Phantom yeah. Lord stream was. And then suddenly it just became about maximizing profit and, yes. and 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 you know promoting the the gambling side of what he did and it it just got really sad because and it's like you can see the cogs ticking he's thinking i gotta get mine now but it's yeah. like listen if you're good and you're an entertainer yeah. you'll keep an audience over your entire lifespan you know you might not have millions in the bank today but maybe you do five years just wait and be patient you don't need yeah. to sell yourself down the river sell yeah. your integrity yeah. But some people, I don't know, it's um, it's like you said, they, they get afraid. Yeah, it's 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 this space that for some reason everybody thinks it's a it's a bubble waiting to burst. It's a it's a yeah, I hate it's, that it's, shit. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I, if you if you're an expert in in the in the space, which I I consider myself to be, mm. like you see it going down this path. There's going to be self corrections. There's going to be peaks and valleys and everything else. Gaming entertainment will never ever 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 go away. It's impossible for it to ever. Go away. It's you going know? nowhere, dude. Right. Think about, think about, right. you, you know what the most profitable media entity release yeah. ever Call of is? Duty. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto yeah, 5 yeah. has made more money yeah. than any movie, mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. You know, it, 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 so you tell me if, if we're in a bubble now. I know that's got nothing to do with, it, with yeah. esports, but why do you think every developer now puts an esports mode into their game yeah because it's a way to draw people in yep. it's a way to get viewers it's yep. a way to basically tack on longevity to your game and you know what call of duty probably ain't too far behind if we're talking if we're measuring the franchise and how much money that's made mm -hmm. as a property it's insane uh it sells a brand new game every year it's got a dedicated fan base yeah. dedicated esports side uh, i'm sure there's plans you know down the road you know yeah. the rumors of franchise rumors are flying, yeah. yeah you know so there's rumors flying around Counter Strike too about franchising. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that from from a, from, from an external perspective. Uh, I don't know how much you watch Call of Duty, how much you follow like teams and storylines. Mm. What what uh, you you obviously know about Overwatch League? What do you think? Yeah. How do you think Call of Duty can take advantage of that sort of model? So anyway, uh, yeah, you know, like I, I, look, I think one of the big failings of the Overwatch League. Uh, is this idea of this enforced regionality because one of the beautiful things about esports compared to regular sports is mm -hmm. you don't need to have the regionality. We're global, right? Yeah. Now, I, I, know, I don't know how much you kind of can't say because obviously, you know, yeah. Houston Outlaws and everything. And listen, when it Best worked... Best branding in, uh, in, oh, in Overwatch. Hands down, brother. Uh, uh, but, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing when it works and the idea of the local stadium and the local fans and the local jerseys mm -hmm. going to bars and mm -hmm, watching mm -hmm. the game on TV and clinking beers. Yeah, obviously that's an amazing yeah, concept. An but you know what community. else is an amazing concept? Global. 
having fans in China, yes. having fans in Thailand, having fans in the Philippines, having fans in Korea, Japan, wearing that shirt and being able to watch the games any time of day. Yeah. And they're as big a fan as the guys right here on home soil. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you don't really have that so much. I mean, soccer's kind of cracked that nut a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you go to like India or China, you'll see Manchester yeah. United Manchester shirts. Yeah. But you know, I don't see Newcastle shirts. I'm a Newcastle fan. You know, yeah. it's only a certain. It's like Everton, Liverpool, uh, Man United, Arsenal. You know, and then it's a bit. Alfreton Town yeah, FC. Th- yeah, right. And <laughs> after and after Alfreton Town, there's there's, there's there's a big drop off, right? But the point is, like, I have been. You know, esports is getting so big now. I've been to the other side of the world, and I've seen the optic jerseys. I've seen yeah. the Astralis jerseys. I've seen the Phase jerseys. Yeah. I've seen the Liquid jerseys. Yeah. I've seen the TSM jerseys. So. I don't know why we're trying to like regress a little bit with this yes. regionality thing. Thank so, you. By the way, I'm I'm with you a hundred percent of the way there. Mm. So much so that I've I've been very I'm talking to Nature who's sleeping in the other room and talking to other people like I you know in in speaking with the Chicago Cubs just about whatever esports or whatever. Like I said that I'm like I'm like you know what would make the Chicago Cubs logo better if it was just Cubs, right? And I'm not going back. I'm not going to back to the to, to the Facebook and drop the the and just Facebook bullshit. No, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's literally it'd be better because you don't segregate yourself in 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 a very specific. Uh, you don't segregate yourself from from somebody that you know hates Dallas mm. to to no longer like somebody from Dallas or, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then you get into this weird sort of segregational mindset as fans. Yes. You can't help it. Like, again, I'm a Newcastle fan. Newcastle United, we put an extra special level of uh, pride in the concept of the local lad. Yes. Alan Shearer is a god to every Newcastle fan mm-hmm. because not only was he, not only is he our record striker beating Jackie Milburn's record, but uh, he t- and not only did he turn down Manchester United and came to a club where he didn't win a Premier League trophy, um, but but he was local. He was he was a Geordie boy, yeah. and he came back home, mm-hmm. and that's a great story. But now you end up with situations where you've got London Spitfire, a London team with with Korean players, yeah. no problem for me. Yeah. But then you get some fans going, oh, "Well, this isn't regional," yeah. and it's like they rep they rep you, man. Yeah. But you can't help it because yeah. the regionality because thing's they put in, it in your you. brain. Yeah, they yep. put it in you. Yeah. So so I I see the destructive and divisional elements yeah. that regionality can create, and I think esports is bigger than that. Agreed. And we don't need to do that. My my concern is is this, and and you know, luckily I I and, and I'm not saying this for any other reason besides that it's the truth. Luckily, I I ended up with with a with a smart enough partner to understand mm-hmm. that, right? And we've had this conversation before, where like you know, traditional sports are looking at esports because one viewership is is going this way, and the other one because of how old it is, it's mm-hmm. it's it's on a downward spiral. And it's not necessarily the traditional sports fault; it's the medium in which they they choose to display, right? They're still looking at TV and. You know, not the iPhone and the iPad and the computer yeah, yeah. where, where every where people are watching it. Exactly. Yeah. So my, my concern in, in, you know, in, in franchising and regionality above anything else is one, the segregation, but two, if, if we're, if, if traditional sports is looking at us and saying, this is the next big thing is going upwards. Why would we go and do something that they do because it worked so well for them yeah. instead of applying some of the, the blueprint that some of the created, great stuff? Yeah. yeah. But reinventing Refine it. Refine it. Yes, to fit this day and age model. Imagine if you were LA Optic. Just imagine, yeah, just imagine it, right? Like yeah. what? Now, uh, how, 
I'm, I'm, all the fans all around the world optic, right? How many are you isolating with that? And then here's the other problem with regionality. This is why, you know, to link it back to your original question, I don't know if Call of Duty and regionality is a good fit at all from the Call of Duty I know and understand mm -hmm. because then you get territories. You've got territories now and you end up with this weird situation like where in Overwatch it's been kind of widely reported, you know, but, but, but kind of ignored, but, but everybody knows it. It's an open secret that, you know, for example, the London Spitfire guys went to South Korea yeah. and wanted to do like a fan signing yeah. or an activation or something yeah. out there. And then the Soul franchise said, no, 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 they're our fans. So then the league stepped in and said, you can't do it. Yeah. So they couldn't do a fan meetup. Yeah. And it's like, First, backwards yeah those guys are korean they yeah. got they obviously have fans in korea yeah. you're you're preventing them meeting them how would that work in call of duty how would right, the la yeah. optics and the new york phase yeah how you know how you what you ain't gonna do meetups in each of the yeah. cities yeah no i guarantee you've got fans yeah. in both yeah yeah, yeah. So it, uh, that, that's crazy to me and, and 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 if they try and shoehorn that in when they do eventually franchise because i'm pretty sure it's gonna happen when they do eventually franchise you know the call of duty league in the same way they do overwatch yeah just let them just none of this let's build new brands bullshit mm -hmm. let the great call of duty teams be the great call of duty teams with their already great fan bases and let them compete in a structured environment that's all you yeah. need to do yeah. all you need to do to make call of duty great yeah you know, when, when i talk about the outlaws never when, when I'm on camera, when I'm mm. talking to yeah, anybody, I offense, that actually, yeah, I never say it's just outlaws. Yeah. I never say yeah, Houston yeah, outlaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because it, it's bigger. The internet allows a connection to everyone that can be that can be a positive format and reinforcement for everything that you've ever ever done. Mm. You know, from spreading a, a a really good message that will transcend you know languages and all that stuff to really creating a community, which is what esports is—a community of 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 fans that don't necessarily have the same jock. You know, let's fight each other mentality that, you know, that the, that the, you know, the, the, what do they call the, the clubs from yeah, the, yeah. you know, your, your clubs from England, your hooligans, right? The firms, or, yeah. Yeah, the firms. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, even here now in, in LA, specifically on the West Coast, they're like, you know, Rams versus like the Chargers and all this shit. Like they get, Yo, they dude, get I'm, a, I'm a Raiders fan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Know. So you will fight somebody. <laughs> well, <right? laughs> I'll stand at the back and watch. Yeah. Yeah. So Ra Raider Nation is crazy. Yeah. So when you start to segregate, and, and, and this is my opinion, you know, obviously I can, you know, if, if, if the majority vote goes with something else, and I'm pretty sure that that's what would end up happening. But I don't know. I think, I think, uh, what we've developed, the relationship that, that we've developed in the past with, you know, for the past 10 years with Call of Duty will give us, I think, a little bit of an open line of communication for them to do the right thing. Um, and as long as it's done like between org and, and developer, I think that, that we, that we'd end up in a, in a really good spot. Well, I, look, I, I hope so because, you know, look, <clears throat> I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I haven't really been heavily involved in Call of Duty since Modern Warfare first came out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I moved away from it, but I used to cover it. Uh, and, and, you know, I, it, it's a great game, uh, in my opinion. And I, and, and the fan bases are like nothing you, you've ever seen. I mean, seriously, like the, the Counter-Strike guys are great and everything, but like we're doing that now, sure. But like you go back and look at the old footage, you know, coming out of the Halo days into the Call of Duty days, like, Way you know, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. You know, our best players in the world are still scraping 200K. You yeah. guys got two mil. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a reason for that. And um, I, I think if Activision starts sticking their finger in that particular gumbo, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, they're going to mess it up. Yeah. So what do you think about uh, Counter-Strike? Oh, well, let's talk about two things. Sure. 
Well, three things because it's it's BR, right? Because you guys just released. Yeah, a we BR. just got to be on. Oh, it's yeah. now free to play. Yeah, and then the franchising thing. So let's let's start at the top. We'll start with franchising. What do you what do you so, what do you think? Uh, again, have you made a video about this? I haven't been able to. No, you know I haven't been doing a lot of videos. So give me a little bit and then save the rest for your for uh, your well, video. Well, I just hired. Uh, I'm kind of try, trying to take a leaf out of your book. I actually hired some guys to make my videos now, okay, good. and they've been doing good work. But then now, I, I, I what I realized was, if you have good production, but you try and freestyle it, it's still bad. So, yeah. now, so now I'm scripting my mm-hmm. videos, and that's just meant I haven't done videos because I'm lazy yeah. or busy, yeah. whatever. Um, but So I haven't done a video on it, but I heard the rumor. So the rumor that's going around is that there might be some sort of Valve-endorsed uh, franchise league for the teams. Um, I've heard it from a couple of people now. You're not the first person to mention it to me. Uh, you know, listen, I broke a story about there being an exclusivity league, which ESL were going to run, uh, and all the you know, teams were there. And I said, like, I don't like the idea of an exclusivity league. But what I didn't anticipate was just how uh, saturated the scene was going to get and, the, and how many tournaments yeah. we were going to have and how many online leagues we were going to have. And I thought people would back down. I thought people wouldn't stay in that game of chicken where they're trying to mad dog each other. You know, I thought they'd see the bigger picture because we've had StarCraft be oversaturated to negative effect. Yeah. Dota until Valve came in and yeah. created the the circuit. So th- there were real problems. And so I broke that story and everyone was like, oh, Richard, stop the terrible dark evil descending yeah. on Counter-Strike. Well, I'm not sure I did actually. I might have, I might have actually been part of fucking it up yeah. because because <laughs> uh, what would have been you try to help yeah, yeah. you know I, I I don't know if I've changed I don't know if it's a case if I've gone from being the rebel to becoming part of the machine and and really I'm the asshole maybe but but now I think actually if we had a rigid locked season yeah where people got to run tournaments along the way yeah. But maybe the very best teams were kept isolated in a, in a really, really high level, yep. high stakes, high cost league yep. with developer endorsement and cool bells and whistles. Maybe that's better, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. And so I, I think, provided you invite the very best teams and you get it in there, and Valve are definitely involved, it has to be Valve because mm-hmm. they're, they're the only people I trust yeah. to stop guys like ESL or Face yeah. It or yeah. ESEA going. Power man. They're the only ones that they can. Yeah, well, sure. Right. Um, and, as, and, and there's a good revenue share there, and players start getting like in-game cosmetics and stuff like that. It could be unbelievably sick. Um, now it's free to play, so that's yes. And, and the free to play thing, I've been saying for years. I, like they should have done this two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even at launch. Who knows? But back then, I suppose people didn't know the freemium model could work as well yeah. as it did. I mean, like Riot Games, again, everybody owes them a debt because it was the proof of concept. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, it going free-to-play, like, I already talked about it on buying the numbers about people are saying, ah, there'll be more cheaters. It's like, there's, there's no data to substantiate that whatsoever. It's completely stupid. You still have to pay or grind to get into Prime, which is the rank mode, so whatever. I think more cheaters will stay in the free-to-play mode and stay out of the competitive mode. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. But um, the key thing is... Now that it's free to play, two things happen. First of all, more people install the game because they want to just see what it's about. Yeah. Uh, so that means more people are now going to watch the game because mm-hmm. it's there in the client now. Yeah. So when a tournament's on, it's the thing that pops up. Yeah. So we're going to slowly draw people into the competitive side more than we have in a while. We're going to get a, a new injection of fans on the esports side. Really, really good for us. 
But the other thing that's going to happen is Asian markets. Because if you ain't free to play... You don't want it. You, yeah, you don't really do yeah, well I mean, out in Asia. So, so, so much so that Call of Duty, a, a, an organization that is publicly traded, so you know profits first, mm-hmm. has a free-to-play game in China. Yeah, that's how it is. I mean, look, we, we joke about it all the time. China is the land that copyright forgot, right? There's a lot yeah. of free-to-play knockoffs yeah. of a yeah. lot of yeah. games. But let me tell you, if you ain't free-to-play... You're not on the home PCs, and you definitely ain't in the PC bangs and the LAN cafes. Mm-hmm. So by having, you know, and, and CS has always been there or thereabouts in, in the Asian market. Like, there's that CS online, if anyone's seen that. By Nexon, it's no. it's terrible. Um, but but it exists. Uh, now that CSGO is free to play, and we have Steam China, which was just uh, officially approved, but they agreed it back in June and July. Mm-hmm. It's going to be looked at by the Chinese government, so they can censor any games that they don't want going out to the Chinese yeah. people. So Steam are going to have that foothold. That, um, Guys, this, this could be a, a population explosion in Counter-Strike. Yes. We already had the highest peak it's had in two years today as I came down here. Really? 724,000 people. Jesus. 749,000 people. Yeah. Peak players. Yeah. Hasn't been that high in two years. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen once we start getting the Chinese involved? This is, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be with, good. With more population comes the ability for more people to really find out that they happen to be the best at a game that they've never fucking played before. They yeah. happen to be really yeah. good at something, but I'm going to give Counter-Strike a shot. And all of a sudden, they are the simple or the, you know, the, the, the next big thing in, uh, in, in, uh, in Counter-Strike. That's what happens with population expansion, right? There's yeah. more, 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 more competition. And they already have a good international team in the form of Tai Lu yep. that they can get behind. Yep. There's already a league going on that you can watch. Yeah. It, it to 2019 could be a really could be one of the biggest years in Counter-Strike history yep. if Valve can leverage all of these parts that yep. are out there. And then just the final thing on BR, because you asked about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll wrap it up on that one. Cause, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm interested in two things for BR too. Is it an eSport? Can it be an eSport with the RNG in it? And then we'll talk about the Counter-Strike. Have you played it? Did you get a chance to uh, play the BR? Yeah, I had a quick little run around. I'm going to actually do a video review, I think, okay. if I get time. Because I played pretty much every BR game. I picked up Black Ops 4 on, yeah. on, on your recommendation. Uh, had a lot of crashes with it. Like some, uh, some of the PC guys have found out. But, uh, yeah. but you know. Get um, a better PC, man. No, no. I wish you well, That was the problem. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, so I've been, been enjoying it. It's very hard to go back to PUBG because it's so yeah. fast-paced by comparison. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, if you started on League, you couldn't play Dota. If you mm-hmm. start on Black Ops, you can't play PUBG after. No. So um, and Maybe deliberately so, but the engine's very fast-paced. I like it. But the Battle Royale thing, can you have RNG in an eSport? The answer is yeah. I mean, even the eSports that pretend they don't have RNG have RNG. Mm-hmm. Think about Molotovs. And mm-hmm. smokes in mm-hmm. Counter Strike right now. How sometimes they bloom one way, the smokes. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, maybe it covers your toe one time. Yeah. And, yeah. So there's that. Uh, the Molotov never spreads. thought about it that way. Yeah, the Molotov spread in a slightly yeah. different way. So there is RNG active in Counter Strike. It's just it's there's less RNG. Yes, yeah, than like Hearthstone or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So a, a card game inherently has like a lot of RNG artifact. A lot of RNG. Um, so For those who don't know, random number number yeah, generator. random number generation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luck. Yeah, in other words, yeah. Um, sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, absolutely. I mean, look, y- y- it's a balance. You c- you you have to have some RNG 
Because otherwise, if you just do the same thing the same time every time, it will have the same outcome every time. That's super boring. Mm -hmm. There has to be variables. Mm -hmm. But what you can't have is to the point where you can do the right thing a lot of the time and still be punished because yeah. that's a, a turnoff. So it's a balancing act. Now with Battle Royale, I, I, from what I've just played, very cursory on the Counter-Strike side, I don't think Danger Zone is going to reinvent that particular wheel. I think the future of kind of battle royale still lies with Fortnite, PUBG, and and this blackout mode, which I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, but but and I, and I don't really think Danger Zone will get a seat at that table. But what it, again it does, it's a it's a mode that encourages casual players to come in, see the Counter Strike engine, see how the guns handle, yeah. see the aim, and then who's to say that. I play, you know, 40 hours of BR and then I log in one day and I go, what's this 5v5 all about then? Yeah. And then I go and I play 5v5 and then I like 5v5. In fact, I prefer 5v5 yeah. BR. And I'm good. Yeah, and I'm good. And then I sign up to an ESEA or a yeah, Face yeah, yeah. It, and yeah. now my road to esports begins. Yep. So having BR as the entry level makes total sense. It's one of the most popular game modes right now. It used to be public servers back when I first came in, mm -hmm. and I think they're a little bit anachronistic. You know, 20v20 on a map that's balanced for 5v5, mm -hmm. it's just a car crash. It's yeah. shit. I'd yeah. rather it was BR in yeah. a lot of ways. So, because it, it neither teaches you anything about 5v5, so right. why not, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think, um, I don't think Danger Zone will be like an eSport, but I think anything that breaks down the barrier of entry to Counter Strike is really, really good for us long term. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, not free to play the opportunity to just monetize at a different level, the way we've seen Fortnite monetize, because mm. yeah, it's not really free. It's free to play, sure, but if that's the case, how come I spent close to $1,100 on skins and I haven't played the game in like <laughs> really? six months? Is it really that much? I did, yeah, because oh. I, I really fell in love with it, because in, in a time where Call of Duty last year, World War II, not only were we not winning, but there was no content really being created because it wasn't that type of game, I, I found that, that Fortnite was gonna be like, I don't know, I, I found Fortnite visually appealing, I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Even, I saw a cartoon. I didn't really care, and I started playing it, and I fell in love with it, and then I just became all about it. Well, so I, I might make fun of Fortnite now and then because it's just the, the way that old snooty esports types yeah. do. Yeah. But there's a genius behind Fortnite. There's a lot. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, forget just how slick the marketing team is. All of the activations they've yeah. done, getting the NFL jerseys yeah. in. There's yeah. genius. Genius. Uh, you know, but but also as well, like think about the generation of kids that grew up with Minecraft, and I got Minecraft elements in my shooting mm -hmm, game. Mm -hmm. There's none of this. For, there's no division like PUBG has. With do I play it third person? Do I play it first yep. person? Yep. It's a third person game. Yep. What you see is what you get. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, you got to take your hats off to what Fortnite. Hundred percent. No one's doing it better than they are. Yeah, yeah I, for I, real. And, and I don't mind saying that at all. Ah, same. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna end the podcast right here, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. If you guys enjoyed it, please remember to not leave with any like. Uh, all of this information is gonna be down below. Make sure to check out his channel. I watch it regularly, more so back then when I was trying to be informed about everything. But uh, well, now you know what you're talking about now. So yeah, you don't need me anymore. No, I still, I still need you. Still need the entertainment. Um, not by the numbers. Is still, is still pretty. You know, the ones that I go to when I'm not there. Uh, I listen to. Five people, Adam Carolla, you, Thorin, uh, Joe Rogan, and uh, Dr. Drew or somebody else. But anyway, thank you, Richard. Always a I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Nice. Thank All you. Right, we'll see you guys on the next one. Hit up with the music.